You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Father, we thank you for yet another episode and broadcast today. We thank you for this series, Living a Resurrected Life, and we thank you, Father, that this series was your idea and that you have a specific message for all of us today, every single every single listener, Father. Thank you that it's a divine appointment that they are listening today. And thank you that it is tailor-made for each of them, Father, uh, because you are perfecting that which concerns them. You are causing them to grow into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Father, you are catapulting them into living more victoriously, uh, becoming more of an overcomer, Father, and experiencing the fullness of what it means to live in union with Jesus. And so, Father, I just yield. I yield to your spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, you do the talking today. You do the teaching. Take us where we need to go. Illuminate the scriptures. Give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of who we are. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding that we'll know the hope of our calling and cause this message to be not just a message, uh, another message that we hear, Father, but uh, cause it to be a, a an agent and a catalyst for transformation, for transfiguration, Father, so that the Christ within us is revealed to us and through us. And so we just give you all the praise, all the glory for it, and we call it done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good, 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 good morning, everyone. I'm happy to be kicking off this next episode in this series. I've been getting a lot of amazing feedback from uh, you guys, uh, from the listeners about this podcast. I've been getting emails, been getting some social media posts about this. Some of you guys are really diving into this and listening to it over and over again, which is amazing and awesome because that's really what this series is designed uh, to you know, cause you to do. It's really uh, not designed to be just another message that you hear, but it's really, uh, I I believe the Father's heart for this message is that it will shift your focus, that it will shift uh, where you're looking, uh, what you're spending your time meditating on, and that you will make a decision like the Apostle Paul did in Philippians chapter 3, which is, you know, the chapter that we are basing this series out of, that you will make a, a really determined decision to make knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection your determined purpose. And we've talked a lot about this in the last couple of episodes about how when we do this, when we focus on the gospel, when we, it's first of all, the gospel is the power of salvation, it says in Romans chapter one. And when we focus, when we turn our attention to really uh, meditating on the gospel, uh, n- uh, making it our determined purpose to experience Christ, to to really understand and gain a revelation of the gospel and what it means for us personally from a co-identification standpoint, where we are co-identifying with Jesus to such a degree that it's no longer us that's living. Just the radical shifts that can happen in our lives and in the lives of those that we know because we're getting rooted and grounded, not just in the love of God, but in the power of God and in who we really are. I mean, identity is everything. And so today, you know, in the first episode, I really focused in on a couple of the scriptures on chapter 10 and and chapter 11 in the Amplified Classic Version. And then, uh, you know, that was in in the first episode. In the second episode, I really focused in on uh, uh, 
uh, verse 10. And in today, I want to expand that a little bit. I want to dive more into verse 11, and I kind of want to expand into the entire chapter. So let's kick it off by rereading Philippians 3, uh, verse 10 and verse 11 in the Amplified Version, and then we'll just kind of go from there. So uh, in the Amplified Classic Version, by the way, I want to make sure that you're reading it in that version. Uh, for me, I just Google it. I just Google Philippians 3, AMPC, Amplified Classic, and then I pull it up. Uh, you may have it on your Bible app, but make sure that it's not just the Amplified version, but it's the Amplified Classic version. So here's where it, how it reads in verse 10. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And in verse 10, it says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. <clears throat> and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. Now, I have broken down these two scriptures in quite a bit of detail um, in the last two episodes. But I want to just revisit that in the last episode, I really broke down the, the Greek word gnosko, which is translated into English as the word know. And we talked about how the word gnosko is an experiential knowing of Jesus, that when Paul said it's my determined purpose to know him, to know Jesus, to know him, to know him, it was not just, you know, just a casual knowing. It's not like, you know, hey, I know who Oprah, I know Oprah Winfrey because I, I've heard of her, right? I know Matthew McConaughey because, you know, he's famous. No. This was an experiential note, uh, a knowing. And so we went dot, we dove deep into that intimate place that we can experience Jesus from in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back. But today, you know, I really want to keep moving forward. So we focused in on verse, verse 10, the first half of it last episode. And now I want to chat about that in the same way the Apostle Paul was talking about knowing Christ, knowing Jesus intimately. Uh, this gnosko type of knowing. Well, he says, in the same way, I also want to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. So he also wants to gnosko, which is the Greek word for this knowing, not just Jesus intimately, but he wants to also intimately know the power of the resurrection. You know, and, and in the first episode, I chatted a little bit about how little we really in Christian world, typically focus on the resurrection. Like we'll hear, you know, we'll have all kinds of resurrection things around Easter, right? Resurrection Sunday, you know, and we'll have all these memes on social media that we'll follow and we'll get a sermon. Maybe we'll get some sermons leading up to Good Friday on the crucifixion and then we'll come into Easter weekend and then we'll get, he is risen, right? And we'll hear this, you know, hoopla around his resurrection. But most of those sermons that we hear, I mean, they, they 
they they glorify you know the victory of jesus over death they glorify what he's done they'll usually be taught from the gospels and you know the disciples finding the empty tomb and which is you know those are it's powerful we need to understand what jesus actually did when he came up from the grave but it's more than just a lot of times what we've been taught on easter morning and honestly it really deserves way more of our attention and way more of our focus than one Sunday a year. In fact, let's go back to this concept. The Apostle Paul made it his determined purpose to gnosco the resurrection. Okay, in the Amplified Classic Version, which is why I like to teach this particular series out of this version of the Bible, you know, it amplifies that word no, that word gnosco, and it, it amplifies it particularly in the first part of verse 10. And it says this, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. So that little amplification in the Amplified Classic Version is expounding and expanding upon the Greek word gnosko. We talked last episode about how the Greek word gnosko was actually used as a Jewish idiom in biblical times during Jesus's ministry that referred to, it was a sexual idiom. It was a, a, an idiom that, that referred to the kind of knowing as an Adam knew Eve, that it was the most intimate of knowing in of all relationships. And I'm bringing it back up today because the Apostle Paul, as we continue in verse 10, says that in the same way, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Well, in what way? I want to gnosko this, this, the, the, the power outflowing from Jesus' resurrection. Meaning, if I was going to translate this or kind of uh, uh, take the, the amplified classic, uh, you know, where they amplify the meaning of no or the meaning of gnosko, and I superimpose that onto now he wants to also know the power of his resurrection. This is how it might read. I'm not saying this is how it reads, but I want you to grasp just how deep the Apostle Paul was going into understanding the power of Jesus's resurrection. Okay, and here's what he says. So let me just kind of superimpose it on this second part of verse 10. Okay, it says, okay, uh, uh, that in the same way come to know, okay, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with the power outflowing from his resurrection, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders more strongly and more clearly. clearly. So, the Apostle Paul is talking about an intimate experience with the power of Jesus's resurrection. And I think sometimes, you know, we, when we think about the power of Jesus's resurrection, first of all, most of us haven't spent that much time thinking about it at all. Um, but I will tell you, it's everything. It is everything. The resurrection is everything in our Christian experience. Number one, it is what it is what uh, broke the power of the enemy. And it is also the power of God coming in a miraculous display of the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And so to in intimately experience it and to know it, to gnosko this power, the Apostle Paul says, here's what he feels is going to happen. That as he gnoscos and knows him, knows Jesus, and he gnosko and knows the power of his resurrection, here's his purpose in that. It says, so that I may so share in his sufferings and be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that, verse 11, that I, if possible, may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, catch this, even while in the body. Now, I alluded to this in the first episode, but I want to dive into this a little deeper here. But here is the purpose for which Paul is saying, I want to gnosko Jesus. I want to know him and I want to know him intimately and experientially. I want to progressively recognize and understand his, his, who he is, the wonders of his person and his resurrection. I want to fellowship with his sufferings, meaning I want to be so co-identified with his sufferings. I want to be so co-crucified. I want to be so co-buried. I want to be so co-resurrected with him so that if possible, I might attain to spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in the body. Listen to this. He wants to be transformed. He wants to experience resurrection living. He wants to live as though he's already died, that he's already been buried, that he he also has been raised from the dead. He wants to, to step into Jesus's tomb. He wants to step into Jesus's grave. He wants to step into the experience of being raised from the dead so that he can attain spiritual and moral resurrection. In other words, perfection. So that he can experience the perfection of Jesus, the perfection of the resurrected Lord Jesus that lifts him out from among the dead, even while he's still in the body. So he is basically saying, I want to live a glorified life now. And this glory, you guys, this glory of Jesus, of the resurrected Lord King is inside of us. This is possible because we are living in union with Jesus and Jesus, the resurrected King, is inside of us. But knowing that intellectually doesn't mean that we're experiencing it. It doesn't mean that we're being lifted out from among the dead morally, spiritually, experientially, that we're living above the curse, that we're living above COVID, that we're living above the, the natural realm of lack and, and poverty and all of the things that are happening in this realm. Are we living in that place of supernatural life, right? Where we are living from heaven, where we are living from that place of victory, the victory of Jesus over the world. And, and are we so connected with that reality that Jesus is expressing himself and his resurrection power through our lives every single day? Are we living a co-crucified life? Are we living a co-resurrected life? Are we living a co-ascended life where we are seated in heavenly places and we, this is a normal way of living? 
And if you read the entire chapter, you know, of Philippians chapter three, there's there's a lead up to verse 10 and 11 that is powerful. And then he, the Apostle Paul goes into verse 12 and the remainder of the chapter just kind of expanding on this decision to make his determined purpose, to experience Jesus, know him, and experience in the resurrection. So let's just look a little bit at the verses coming into verse 10 and the verses coming out because this chapter is extremely powerful. This is about Paul's journey to make this decision and how it's going for him and what, why he's made this decision and his commitment to this decision. Okay. So when you start in verse one of Philippians chapter three, and I'm going to just, I'm going to change, I'm going to change translations here for a minute. Uh, and maybe I'll go back and forth between the two, but I want to start reading Philippians, the first part of Philippians three. Um, from the Passion Translation. So let's go into Philippians 3, verse 1 from the Passion Translation. And I may go back and forth in a couple of different versions, but he says this in verse 1. He says, my beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. Okay, verse 1 is super powerful because it taps into what happens when you make it de your determined purpose to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection? You know what it does? It causes limitless joy. It causes you to be in a place of rejoicing all the time. Remember, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from the Philippian jail. So he's in jail having his determined purpose to know Jesus and to know the power of his resurrection. And he is full of joy. And he says here, don't limit your joy or fail to rejoice. You, there is a place where we can live high on life. There is a joy that is not of this world. This is an overcomer's joy. This is what caused you know, many people to say, Paul, you are out of your mind. He was out of his mind. In fact, the next series we're going to do is going to be about getting out of your mind, getting out of your, your carnal mind, getting out of, <laughs> you know, thinking from a pure natural human perspective, getting out of that mind, losing that mind and coming into a spiritual mind. And a spiritual mind is where the Apostle Paul lived. And it's how he could go through anything. And he was unstoppable. He was un. Uh, you couldn't stop him. You could stone him. You could get shipwrecked. I mean, he was unstoppable because his power was not coming from anything external. It was coming through the power of Jesus's resurrection. It was coming through his determined purpose to know Jesus Christ. And so if you really want to know the secret, if you want to know the secret to living a joyful life, it is found in Philippians 3. And it is a joy that is independent of this world system. We've not been given the spirit of this world, uh, the Apostle Paul says in uh, second verse, uh, First Corinthians chapter 2. No, we have been given the spirit of adoption, Romans 8, whereby we cry, Abba, we cry, Daddy. There, there's, a, there's a place of intimacy. There is a place of, of freedom that, does, that is completely independent of this world, right? 
If we keep reading here, he says, I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. It's just like, I don't mind repeating myself in episode three, the things that I said in episode one and episode two. Why? Because it reminds you and it protects you. Verse two, it says, beware, beware of those religious hypocrites who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God. Okay. Now, granted, we are not Jewish. We are not living in the times that Philippian, this, this letter to the Philippian church was written. And if you know the context of what was going on in Paul's ministry in the time that he lived, you have to remember that there were two covenants operating side by side. There was still a, t- a temple sacrificial system in place. In fact, the entire New Testament uh, was written. Most scholars, uh, I mean, there's there's some uh, letters that people will say were written after 70 AD. But in 70 AD, that's when uh, the temple was destroyed, right? In 70 AD, that's when that sacrificial system and really the evidence of the old covenant was destroyed. But until that time, there was a mixture of covenants really, and it was very confusing to to Jewish believers, especially because they would mix it. They would mix the old and mix the new. And they would tell, you know, they were, they called them Judaizers, Judaizers. Um, in here that Paul calls them religious hypocrites. In the Amplified Version, he calls them Judaizers and legalists. And they also called them mischief makers, which these were the people that were mixing covenants and saying, you need to do these legalistic things. You need to get circumcised and, and you need to also believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And in our day, we're not arguing and we're not listening to messages or being bombarded with messages about how we need to go get circumcised but there is absolutely judaizers there is absolutely legalists out there there is absolutely religious hypocrites and mischief makers who are trying to add something to jesus and his cross and they they say you know you need to you need to believe in jesus plus you need to repent you need to believe in jesus plus you need to forgive other people of your sins or you won't be forgiven or you need to believe Jesus plus tithe in order to be blessed or you need to believe Jesus plus you know do something x y and z in order to be healed and the truth that it is the cross the cross the cross the cross the cross the burial the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ that has made you a joint heir with Jesus it is his very uh, act on the cross that has made you righteous that has made you holy that has made you rich that has made you abundantly supplied in every area because of your union with him your union with him was accomplished on the cross and so therefore everything that heaven contains has already been lavished upon you it says in Ephesians verse one uh, chapter 1 verse 3 you you lack nothing lack is an illusion separation from God and is illusion and we are bombarded every Sunday all the time on popular Christian networks and every other place with mixture with mixture that makes it Jesus plus something else there was a book I read one time that said Jesus plus nothing equals wait, Jesus plus anything equals nothing I think that's how it says but that's the truth because grace is grace it's grace it's grace it's grace it's grace it's undeserved it's not merited we didn't earn this there is only two kinds of righteousness self-righteousness and God righteousness and they do not mix You can't have a little bit of self-righteousness. No, that becomes self-righteousness. And you can only receive righteousness. You can only receive everything in the kingdom as an inheritance. An inheritance is not earned. It is 
received by birth. It is a family inheritance that is passed down based upon how you were born. And in the kingdom, it's based upon how you were born again. And you were born from above. You were born uh, as an offspring of God, recreated in Christ for good works. And so what Paul is saying is, I don't mind repeating this to you. Sometimes I feel like I say the same thing over and over in my podcast. Why? Because I'm coming against the legalistic mixture and the religious hypocritical stuff that we're hearing because it's it's sneaky. It's sneaky. A little bit of mixture sounds good. And because we've grown up in a system of performance, not just in church, but also in the world, where we've been rewarded for good grades and we've been rewarded for for being good, right? And been punished for, for things that we've done wrong. It's a legalistic system in the world as well. So we've been trained in performance. We haven't been trained in inheritance. We haven't been trained in getting something for free that we didn't deserve. No, we, we've been trained to work. We've been trained to, so it's easy to grab onto these things. I mean, in fact, our, our unrenewed minds and our flesh just love it. We love love it. We love it. And we, we're addicted to it. And we don't even realize it. So saying it over and over again is not grievous for me. And it wasn't grievous for the Apostle Paul because it's for your protection. We don't, I don't want you to go under a yoke of slavery again. We don't want to come under the bondage of performance, the bondage of self-righteousness, right? So I'm going to keep reading in that context. In verse three, it says, for we have already experienced heart circumcision and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. Okay, verse four. Now this is the Apostle Paul's story. Okay, this is his story of coming out of religion and coming to out of his human identity and his process for uh, to coming to the decision to make it his determined purpose to know Jesus. Okay. In verse four, he says, it's true. I once relied on all that I had become. You could say as a natural human being, I had reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others for my pedigree was impeccable. Okay, so now he's about to identify with his human credentials, with his human accomplishments, with his human family, his human upbringing, rather than who he is in Christ. He says, I was born a true Hebrew, okay, meaning I had the right family, right, of the heritage of Israel, as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin, right? Like we might say, oh, well, you know what, I was a Vanderbilt, I was a Rothschild, right? So this has to do with the pedigree of your family lineage. Okay, it says, I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, which in Jewish culture, there was nothing more prestigious, okay? He says, living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee and concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. I was at the top of my game, okay? Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, not only was there were no one that surpassed me in righteousness, but I was a fiery defender of the law. I was a fiery defender of the Jewish way of life. And he says, I persecuted 
the Messianic believers with religious zeal. In other words, he was religious, loud, and straight up wrong. I'll tell you, you just let that sit for a minute because that's what the spirit of religion does to people. It makes them self-righteous. It makes them loud and it very much wrong. Okay. It says verse seven, yet all of these accomplishments, who I was as a human being that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Okay. So this would mean all of that uh, self-confidence that I gained from my degrees and the letters after my name or the promotions that I've had or the fame or the success or the money that I've had in the world, right? He's forsaking it all. And he regards it as nothing, regarded as nothing. These things mean nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Now, I want to say this for a minute because I think we can get religious about this. What the Apostle Paul said is saying is that it's not like he was so good and so he just forsook all of that. He's basically comparing his identity of who he was as a Pharisee of Pharisees and someone who was, you know, at the top of his game in the religious system. And comparing that to the delight, he says, he calls it actual delight, the delight in knowing Jesus. And he says, when you put the two side by side and you say, you, you know, success at the top of my game or knowing Jesus intimately, the delight of that, there's, there's no comparison. This, this, there's just no comparison of anything that I could obtain or be when compared to the delight of knowing Jesus. So I don't know about you or I don't know, you know, I don't know about you, but I do know that this is intriguing to me. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? There's this delight from that you can get from Jesus that makes everything other, any other source of self-esteem or any other source of identity so inferior that you just, you just don't even think about it. You just forsake that. Okay. In the amplified version, he says it this way. He says, verse eight, Yes, furthermore, well, he says, verse seven, but whatever former things I might have been gained to me, I've come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Verse eight. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared, listen to this, to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and the supreme advantage of knowing, of gnoscoing, Jesus Christ, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I've lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, trash, dung, it says in some meaning poop. <laughs> in order that I may win, gain Christ the anointed one. Okay, verse seven and verse eight here are incredibly powerful. This shows you the progression that the apostle Paul went through to make 
his determined purpose to Gnosko Jesus. And here's what he said. All of the things that I was in my former life, anything that I could have relied on to give me value and worth and a place in society and a place in the world that made me significant in any way, shape or form, I count that as dumb. I count it as loss. I count it as trash. I'm telling you, it's trash. When you think about trash, that's the value of those things. You know, it, the value of poop. That's the value of that human identity. It is, it is beyond worthless. It's worthless. Those things are worthless when compared to, and he calls it this, the overwhelming preciousness. The surpassing worth. The supreme advantage, way more, so much more advantageous than some degree, so much more advantageous than some award or some promotion and, 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 and you know, whatever. He says, knowing Jesus progressively, deeply, intimately, perceiving, recognizing and understanding him fully and clearly, it is priceless. It is precious. It is the supreme advantage. It is the ultimate prize. And when we make our human identity and we make who we are in the flesh, the apostle Paul says, no, no man after the flesh, no, no man after who they are in their human form. In fact, our work in Emerge is all about peeling that back so we can know who you are in heaven. You know, because the Apostle Paul in other places says that I was separated from my mother's womb to be an apostle, that who I am is who Jesus says I am. And I am here. I am here to, in Ephesians 4, it says to, to, to grow the church, to grow believers into the fullness of the stature of Jesus, to perfect them in the love of God. And so his purpose, his purpose was no longer to defend the law. It was to, it was to preach the gospel. And he, he comes at his purpose. He comes at his identity from a co-identification with Jesus completely. And so the apostle Paul went through a process of losing his old self. That's what it meant to be crucified. He was crucified to this world. His ties to this life were severed. It says that in Colossians uh, chapter three, that Christ's resurrection is our resurrection too. And that we are, his crucifixion has severed our ties to this life. And, and, and that is what freedom looks like. And that's what the apostle Paul is saying here. That this is, this is freedom. This is priceless. This is preciousness. This is a source of joy that never runs out. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on what's going on in the world. I'm a man obsessed with the cross. I'm a man obsessed with Jesus Christ. I'm a man obsessed with knowing the power of his resurrection and telling everyone, everyone that will listen about this power and about this person that I intimately know because you can't shut me up. You can't stop me. I am on a mission from God to announce the new creation, to announce that you have been made new, to announce that Jesus Christ has undone the curse and that all things now are yours in him. And he was a man obsessed with his mission, with his passion, lost his human identity because of the excellency because of the supreme advantage of knowing Jesus. Okay? This is so powerful. And then I want to want to go into verse 9 here. We're going to kind of wrap up today. I didn't know how far I would get. I'll pick up with the scriptures after verse 10 and 11 in in the next uh, episode. 
But I want to wrap it up with, with verse 9 today. The, the scripture is leading up to 10 and 11. And here's what he says. He says, he can, for his sake, let me wrap up. Uh, let me go back to verse the, back, the last part of verse 8 here. It says, for his sake, I've lost everything and consider it to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, some translations, dung, right? In order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Verse nine, it says, and that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having achieved, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, based upon my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Okay, let me read this in the Passion Translation. In verse nine, it says this, my passion <laughs> is to be consumed with him. And not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My only righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. Okay. So he, the Apostle Paul said, no, 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 no. I do not want to be found in my own identity. I want to be known <laughs> and found in him. That's what I want to be known. And guess what? He is known for that. The apostle Paul is known for living the crucified life, for, for uncovering and unveiling a crucified life for, he calls himself a bond servant of Jesus and in some of it, in some of his epistles. And so the apostle Paul was absolutely known and found in him. And his message was about letting go of all self-righteousness, the law-based, performance-based righteousness. And I get it, guys. We are not, we aren't, you know, today in 2021, when this podcast is being released, we are not adhering to the Jewish law. Okay. It's not like we have the statutes and all of the, the precepts from the five law, you know, five books of Moses. And then we're, we're getting into the Torah and we're, you know, people will tell you all the time that you still got to follow the 10 commandments. I know people that have said that just recently we're talking about, oh yeah, it's Jesus plus the 10 commandments. Oh yeah. You still have to follow that. Or then they'll even say things like the law of love and you have to stay, you know, but the, the, the truth is it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes. There's a new law, the law of love, but guess what? We can't, we can't do that on our own separate from Jesus. We're not called to love apart from Christ. We're, we're called to let the love of Christ flow through us. We are, we're taught to get out of the way so Jesus can live his life through us, the fruit of his spirit, the fruit of Holy Spirit living through us. This is a different system. This is a completely different way of, of, of being. It's, it's a different identity. It's a different type of human being. And what the apostle Paul is saying that I want to be I want to have righteousness that's only from him. Like I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm blameless, I'm Christ in a Shalee suit. And I don't want to live independent. I don't want to have a, a righteousness or, or do works that are apart from Jesus. I remember the Lord told me one time, he said, you know, Shalice, you only get credit in heaven for the things that I do through you. You know, and so many Christians are caught under this idea of the appearance of good. You know, and we're hiding behind a false persona. 
And we're, we're using judgment of sin, the other people's sin, by the way, because it makes us righteous. You know, if I can find what's wrong with everybody else, then I can compare myself to that and I'm good. And then I can make people like you have to be righteous in order to da, 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 da. like there's this whole thing. I mean, if you ever really want to get enlightened, you know, do a study on self-righteousness, do a study on the righteousness of God that comes to us by faith through our union with Jesus. And it will wake you up to how prevalent self-righteousness self-righteousness is and self-righteous preaching. And we preach this mess to people that don't know Jesus. We preach this stuff and we pick our, you know, our pet whatever, sins. And we're going to come out against that. And we're going to try to morally institute perfection and follow the law for people that don't know Christ. And the apostle, Paul, it's a different look today. Like I said, we're not Ten Commandment people necessarily, although some of us still are. You know, some of us get outraged when they're going to take the Ten Commandments off of the courthouses. Like somehow the Ten Commandments is is, is where it's at instead of the person of Jesus Christ. It's not, it, it, you know, it's not like, uh, anyway, what about the fruit of the Spirit? How about we put the fruit of the Spirit up there? The very nature of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like why don't we live in the love of God instead of the rules of God? Because if you follow the, 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 the if you allow, allow Jesus' love to compel you, if you would love to be the litmus test, well, guess what? You don't have to have laws. You will you will be manifesting. Jesus will manifest these things through us. What about just some kindness? What about just a lack of judgment and a lack of, you know, gosh, I mean, just get on any Christian blog, get on any, get on Fox News, get on, get on. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick this, make this political, but that just, you know, it's a lot of conservative Christians. They're going to, they're going to watch Fox News, but you get on the comments and it doesn't look like Christians to me. Okay. You get on social media. God forbid somebody posts something that's controversial, you know, and it's, it gets ugly. It gets ugly quick. Okay. So what is that from? That's from self-righteousness. That's a, that's a fruit of self-righteousness. It's strife. It's strife, which is a work of the flesh. So I'm not going to go off on a tangent there, but what the apostle, not a tangent, it's very much related to what the apostle Paul is saying here in verse nine. All right. He's saying that he wants to be known and found in Christ. He wants to live an invisible life. Ha! <laughs> an invisible life. Glory to God not having any self-achieved accomplishments or righteousness and he want that can be called his own he wants god to work through him and he wants to uh have the righteousness of god and then he goes into verse 10 for my determined purposes that i may know him so you know I, i've gone into a lot in this podcast and again this is such you guys an important series okay this is it okay this is the identity that is you okay this this we're talking about the apostle paul but no 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 we're talking about you <laughs> we're talking about me right we're talking about the things that we get our worth and esteem from we are, we're talking about living in a place where we are co-identified with jesus where we do not have self-righteousness of our own, where we are not living out of religious activities and works, and where we have made it our purpose, our determined purpose, our focus to intimately know God, to intimately experience, experience Him, and to experience the gospel. 
experience the power of the resurrection, the power that lifts us from among the dead while even in the body. Like, what does this mean? How, what does it mean to live a resurrected life before I die, before I'm actually physically resurrected? What does that mean? What does it, Jesus, teach me, show me, lead me into the revelation that the Apostle Paul is describing here that he obviously spent his life meditating on, went away for 14 years after he was called into ministry to get this into him. Guys, I just went 14 years away from Chicago into the mountains and I'm coming back and I'm coming out, right? Because this has been my journey. My journey in those 14 years was to get set free, set free, to, to detox, really, to detox from performance and religion and an identity that came from who I was in the world. And it's interesting because coming back to Chicago, I can tell you it's a confrontation in some ways with that old identity, with who I was when I lived in the city and who I was when I you know, was in corporate America and successful. I mean, it's almost like Paul going back to the temple and going back into to Jerusalem amongst that system and amongst where he was and having to be a new person that no that counted all of that as trash that counted all of that as as dumb and so i'm sharing that because we're on this journey it's not just the apostle paul's journey it's all of our journeys and and i'm just thankful that that we can hear this message today because we can make it our determined purpose as well and we can live in the power that the apostle paul experienced we can know him we can understand that it's a delight. The delight of our lives is knowing him. It's not in these external pursuits that look like some type of worldly success or religious success, whatever that is. It doesn't mean that we're not successful. It doesn't mean that we don't do world changing things. It doesn't mean that we don't have an impact and influence. It doesn't mean that, I mean, the apostle Paul had impact. He had influence. He did world changing things, but it was from a completely different space than the identity that he entered the world with. So God bless you guys. This is a lot to chew on. I really do encourage you, go back into Philippians, get it in the Amplified Classic, get it in a couple of translations, really dig into this, get the meat that's coming out of this. You know, uh, I, I will say, I'm going to go one other place because, um, you know, this idea of self-righteousness and this idea of the righteousness of God in Christ is so important. Um, and I, I said that this was going to be meat today. And I, I want to chat with you because it's really important that you that you get this. OK, in Hebrews chapter five, it talks about meat and it talks about um, it talks about milk. OK, so in the little description for the podcast, I talked about meat and milk a little bit. And I just want to share with you what Hebrews 5 says about milk and meat. Okay, in Hebrews 5, verse 13, or let's start in verse um, uh, 11. It says, well, you know, I'm not going to go into all of this, but uh, let's just say this, of whom we have many things to say, verse 11, and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. Verse 12, for when you time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, the first principles of the oracles of God and be have become such that have need of milk and not of strong meat. Verse 13, it says for everyone that uses milk is unskillful 
in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, there's a lot I could teach on this right now, but I just want to end today's broadcast by saying this. It says that those that are unskilled in the word of righteousness are in need of milk. Okay, so this transition that the Apostle Paul made in Philippians 3, getting off of his earthly religious identity and off of a system of self-righteousness and into his co-identification with Christ and his identity that was, and his obsession, frankly, with with God's righteousness and knowing Jesus and the power of, of, of this and what it has meant for him that he could live a resurrected life. This is the meat, okay? If you're still unsure and you're still coming into this uh, religious system and still identifying with who you are apart from Christ, then you are unskilled in the word of righteousness and in need of milk. And the Apostle Paul saying, there's things that I want to share with you, but you still need milk because you don't know who you are and you're still in an old system. In Galatians, he talks about how you're yet still carnal. You're yet still carnal. And so that it is time. It is time for us to get this message that we're preaching here in Philippians chapter three that I'm sharing with you in Philippians three so that we can move on from the elementary things and we can move on to doing the works of God. We can move on to transforming the planet and making an impact like the apostle Paul. And it's all driven by identity and it's all driven by our focus and our obsession. And if we can shift it, let's shift it. Let's get into these scriptures and let's, let's work with the Holy Spirit to get the revelation that the Apostle Paul has. Because it's not just for the Apostle Paul, it's for all of us. It's the gospel. Amen? Amen. So get your milk, get your meat, and and, and dive into this. Make it your determined purpose. It's so, so easy. I cannot stress this. We are busy. We are distracted. We are living in a crazy world. Uh, and it is easy to, to keep your attention on other things besides this. But I, I will challenge you, if you will make this your determined focus, if you will do this, your life will radically be incredibly different, incredibly different. And it will, you will make a difference. You will, you will do things that you never thought possible. God will take you places you never thought you could be. And it will be because it's not, it's no longer you. It's him. It's him going to those places. There are places that Jesus wants to go wearing your skin. But guess what? You, you can't get there any other way than with the right identity and the right obsession and the right source. So God bless you guys. Have an amazing week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is in part made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.